Welcome back to the Burning Phoenix podcast. Hope you're having a great day, great morning. We're going to have one episode now just about the main references, uh, inspirations, perspectives that we're going to use in this podcast to try to illuminate what is happening like at this moment in time and also how we are going to view this in the light of the bigger the bigger canvas, the bigger picture of 2-3000 years of history. So for the main part we're going to have three main references. We're going to draw from Ian McGilchrist, which is a contemporary uh, psychiatrist researcher about the brain hemispheres. We're going to draw from Dante and the Divine Comedy, which then kind of encapsulates the whole of the European tradition and culture from 1300 and then two, three, four thousand years backwards with both the Roman and the Greek and the Hebrew. And then the third perspective is also a kind of a new one, but it is from a history work by John Strickland, which is called Paradise and Utopia. This is a four-volume work, and three books are out. The fourth one is coming uh, this month. But it's it's a very interesting kind of supplement to the, the normal or the kind of the usual narration of European history, because it's viewed through the lens of Orthodox, kind of Greek Orthodox, uh, theology, but also in the sense of how the culture has changed through, this is a long complicated uh, argument, but how when you have the split with the schism in uh, 1054 and then you have the Protestantism in, around 1517, how these changes have shaped the culture and again it's just a piece of the bigger picture of European history over the last 3,000 years, which is kind of crucial to understand some of the dynamics that have been happening, especially the last 500 years. So we're going to get back to all of these uh, repeatedly when we look at different things. And this goes into the overall argument about the whole Phoenix idea, which is the basis of this podcast, that we're living at a point in time where some things are burning down and some things are regenerating like the bird, the phoenix bird, which is a symbol of rebirth, re uh, renaissance, regeneration, the cycles of time, and just uh, the, an ancient story, which then has, the way we're going to use it, two main components. Again, which is like what is burning down and what is emerging and, and uh, kind of generating and regenerating. And as a part of that, we also want to then blend the old and the new as this continuous process of history, especially for old cultures. So like the European is, you could say, maybe 3,000 years old. Uh, you have, if you look at other older civilizations like the Chinese or the Hebrew, which have five, 6,000 years, they have very much uh, kind of internalized or has become a part of the fabric of, of the culture uh, in, in these two traditions that you continuously mix the old and the new to create something that is current and that is healthy and and uh, just uh, productive, constructive, and it's working. So some things from the past should be left behind. Some things are timeless, beautiful, inspiring, important, crucial things. And then some things from the current could also be left behind, but some of them is, is really, really good. So the whole art of this 
and this is kind of back to the Renaissance idea again, is to find the balance between the best of the old and the best of the new and then create something that is uh, full of wisdom and beauty and inspiration. So that's a little bit of the overall context. And then just to say a few more words about these three main influences. We're going to try to keep this short, but... So McGilchrist, uh, the two brain hemispheres, it's a bit of a technical argument. It's a little bit off-putting for a lot of people, but it's different from how this was portrayed 50 years ago in popular culture with kind of two parts of a machine and then you had just some functions in one part and some functions in the other. The last 20 years, especially then with McGilchrist again, and the research on stroke patients, brain damage, just like this really practical view of what happens if there's damage in one part of the brain or the other leads to an understanding that in some sense we have two brains and they have very different natures. The short form of this is that you see this in all animals as well, even kind of very primitive animals, and there's something about paying attention to details and paying attention to the overall picture at the same time, which is then helpful and useful and, and necessary to be able for an animal, for example, to focus on finding food and picking up some little food while still having the predator detection system working. So you also then can be aware of your surroundings and the reality around you while you are using little techniques to find and eat food, as a very simple example. So, but this is reflected and still today with the human brain that you have the left hemisphere, which is very much... Um, a practical, technical one. It builds models of the world to manipulate the world and to control the world for mostly for good purposes, but there's, there, is, <laughs> there are great dangers and perils with the excesses of the left hemisphere, the left brain. The right brain is more the, the perceiving one that just takes in the, the whole of the reality around us, more unfiltered, and it also has more capabilities when it comes to intuitive understanding, uh, also to understand the like the, what's called the gestalt, like the whole of things. It kind of captures the whole of things uh, directly instead of the left brain, which has to find the details and build up a model. And then it relates to its own model of the world instead of the real world. So why is this important for like the phoenix in our times? If you look at this, from an individual, that's one way. But if you look at this also from like the culture and the society, you could see, and this is the McGilchrist argument, that the modern culture, meaning the last 500 years, especially with scientism and just the scientific revolution and the successes of science and then rationalism has created a tilt towards too much rationalism, meaning then too much left brain view of the world and then left brain dominance, which has... Uh, serious insufficiencies and deficiencies uh, because it creates a hall of mirrors and then as a, like the whole culture can then be locked into a fantasy world, uh, an artificial modeled world like the hall of mirrors and then it can't really get out again. So the culture gets stuck in this because it loses the ability to step back and look at the big picture and to have some relation to the real reality uh, except that it's detected in tensions, like increasing tensions, because of what you actually perceive and what your left brain tells you is, is the reality. If there's a, too much of a difference between those two, there will be increasing tensions. 
and aggression and confusion and fragmentation and many of the things that arguably we are seeing today in many uh, many uh, cultures, many countries, especially than the American one and some of the European ones. So that is why McGilchrist is a uh, is a technical kind of brain science perspective on today compared to the last two thousand years, and then. Uh, the balance uh, of the hemisphere. So the, the point is to have a healthy balance, which is then you have the golden ages of this, for example, then again in the Renaissance in Italy, Florence in the 1400s. And then also you can see it in the old golden age of the Greek philosophy and arts as well. So that's kind of the, the aspiration or the, the goal in this is to understand both like a diagnosis, like a medical diagnosis of our times. And then also the aspiration and what we could aim towards to create a healthy, balanced, joyful, prosperous uh, time again, age again. So this goes into this transformation idea. Okay, so that was McGilchrist, then Dante. Dante is, in some sense, just to kind of have a segue from McGilchrist, Dante is very much the right brain, the right hemisphere view and presentation of the totality of everything. So he describes both everything with the left brain rational world. This is then symbolized with Virgil in the Divine Comedy. Virgil is the foundation for understanding the world. He is the guide for two of the three books. And then at the end of the second book, when they've gone through all the vices with Inferno and they've gone through this mountain of virtue, meaning there's like the, uh, the you could call it the good morals, but also the, those morals that are helpful and that would actually have constructive outcomes, especially then medium and long term. So there are many arguments baked into this, but the problem with vices is that the short term, they give you rewards, but medium long term, they're very destructive, both for yourself, for people around you, for the society and culture as a whole. So this is the, the ancient argument for virtue, that it's not necessarily some, some shining noble ideal that should make you feel good, is just what practically actually works longer term. So Dante describes this, and then the third book is Beatrice, and she's then symbol, the symbol of uh, more the, the right brain world, the intuition, uh, the, it goes into the spiritual, So, but we don't necessarily have to, to touch that so much. You can look at this purely from a secular perspective, but just see that she represents some of the intuitions, some of the... Uh, the convictions like that most of us would have about like something like the good in the world and that there is something good and that that is something worth trying to move towards and be inspired by. So uh, we'll also get much more deeper into this later. And then again, the last part with the Orthodox history, we already mentioned this in the beginning, but, but, but just the gist of it is that there has been in, in theology, in you, the, if you look at Europe from a theological perspective, which is not usually done today, but it's hugely informative to just, again, from, with secular eyes, just look at what this meant and how it has influenced the culture. So if you look at the theology for the, in the last, for, for, sorry, in the first 1,000 years, then you see a very different idea about the divine about the spiritual that is inside of you is something glowing and generative inside of you that is filling your life with joy and positive things now here in the earthly. 
And then after the year 1000, 1054, you gradually got a very different kind of theology in the Western part of Europe, which is much more like the divinity is outside of you. It's up far away in the heavens or in the skies, even for some people. But that lack of having it inside of you, this is the orthodox argument, created an emptiness and a void inside of our experience of the world, which is then being replaced by other things. So it's a very fascinating just uh, perspective to entertain for a while. And then you can also see like how things, more recent things like romanticism or uh, secular sources of joy, in some sense, try to fill this void, but you can't fully do it. And then you would also end up with other kinds of replacements that are uh, often less helpful. So again, this is just the orthodox argument, but the... Just this idea that something like of the inner joy was lost uh, that has huge consequences of how the culture changes and then also leads into rationalism and then also uh, strong secularism. And then again, this goes into the left brain trap of the hall of mirrors. So, so just to step back on the, this reference, it's more about the lack of balance. So there is uh, the art and the challenge of oneself and the culture is to maintain the balance and then just be aware of the, the, the this constant, uh, it's not necessarily a threat, but it is like a, a risk of falling into a left brain excess and then you get lost in it. And then it's hard to get out of it. But this is what is the, possibly then we see these days, these months, maybe this year especially, that this is starting to then burn down and then you will get a new, more balanced view coming back again. Okay, so that was all we wanted to say now about the larger context of kind of where we're coming from in this podcast at the moment. And uh, we're kind of embarking on a new journey here. So we're going to look at things now more like from month to month and then we're going to just enjoy to see and with focusing on the positive emerging things, uh, where this is going. So uh, we're going to wrap it up here, but just uh, thank you so much for listening. Hope you're going to join us on this journey and how we are now exploring this uh, potential transformation of our times, which has an enormous, uh, like the positive scenario is just really, really inspiring and joyful and energetic and also very likely. So with that, again, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're having a great day and see you again in the next episode.